0: such a great pleasure to be here this morning, to be able to stand before you and to make an effort at least to present the Word of God to you. Of course, I'm not Tony, and I don't even look like Tony, do it. <laughs> but nevertheless, Tony's away today. He's in a gospel meeting over at Manchester, I think, and uh, uh, over there trying to encourage the brethren along and uh, help. You know, this is one of the things that we all ought to be doing, encouraging one another daily, and, uh, you know, by our conduct and our manner of life and so forth. You know, as I have been in the pulpit off and on for many years, and one of the things that I have always tried to do be to let people know what they must do to become a child of God. I would not even think about stepping down from the pulpit without telling them what they must do to obey the gospel. That's one of the responsibilities of the Christian, and especially the gospel preacher. Of course, when we talk to people, we must tell them that they are to hear the gospel. Of course, they do that, and they must believe it. They must repent of their sins, and they must confess Christ before men, and then be buried with Christ in baptism for the remission of sins. And I'm sure the water is ready back here this morning behind me. If you have never obeyed the gospel, we would certainly encourage you to do so. There's no greater time than now to obey the gospel. No greater time than now to return to your first love. You know, sometimes when people obey the gospel, they will go back into the world. They, they become unfaithful to the Lord's church. And... uh they still may attend, but they're not as faithful as they ought to be. And they need to come back to their first love, come back to Christ, and live a faithful Christian life by repenting of their sins and praying to God, and he will forgive you all those wrongs. You know, the Christian should be the happiest person in the world. Have you thought about that? The Christian should be the happiest person upon this planet because there are so many things that would cause me to be happy. We are members of the body of Christ, that blood-bought institution that Christ died for on the day of Pentecost. Remember, Christ came down from the portals of heaven, and he lived among mankind, and he taught people, he encouraged people. And eventually died on the cross. Why did he do that? He died for us because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved us. He still loves us. He wants us to live a faithful Christian life. And, of course, this life is is short, isn't it? The time that we live upon this earth is short. We weren't placed on this earth to live for eternity we are here for a particular reason, that is to make preparation for eternity. I consider this time that I have on earth, it's just a time of preparation for eternity where I can go home and to be with uh, all the faithful ones of old and uh, loved ones, those who have been so faithful to the Lord. And of course I need to do everything I can then to uh, work in the church and to be faithful to it and to live a faithful Christian life. You know, sometimes we ask the question, I think Tony talked about this the other night a little bit, why doesn't the church grow as it should today? You know, and I've heard other preachers talk about this, well, we'll never see another day of Pentecost, and that's true. The church is not going to grow to the extent or like it did on the day of Pentecost when there were some 3,000 souls that obeyed the gospel in one day. But yet there were those who obeyed the gospel. They were very fervent. They were full of vigor, and vitality, as we sometimes say. They were working. They were energized. They were doing those things to cause the church to grow. In the springtime, you know, many of us put out a garden. And we cultivate the ground, don't we? Now, I don't put out a garden, really, because uh, I usually go to Farmer's Market. That's my garden. So many of you have put out gardens and still put out gardens. And you go out in the springtime and you cultivate the soil. You till it up. And you get the soil ready and you plant the seed, don't you? And, of course, you work that garden. You cultivate it. You do those things that are necessary to get that garden to grow. All right, why do you plant that garden? You're expecting great results later on in the summer. There's nothing any better, I don't think, than good garden ripe tomatoes, cucumbers, okra, and uh, just all kinds of good vegetables that we can enjoy because we have prepared the soil, we have made things ready to plant the seed. And we cultivated those plants and those seeds be- after they began to germinate with the expectation of having great results. I read the story some time back about this fellow, probably an old-time preacher. He had uh, planted a big garden. And back then, they didn't have the uh, means of cultivating the soil as we have today. They didn't have the big John Deere tractors, as some of us know. But uh, they had uh, maybe a, a garden hoe, a little push plow, or something like that. But as the story goes, this old gentleman he would put out a big crop of potatoes, and he would hoe those potatoes, praying that he would have potatoes at the end of that hole. He was cultivating. He was working that garden, and he was praying for great results. And that's the way we need to be in the church today, working and praying for great results. You know, the Bible teaches us that uh, it's up to us to plant the seed and we're to water. But God gives the increase. You know, we can go out and preach the word. We can teach people. We can encourage them. But we cannot make anybody do anything. We cannot make them obey the gospel. We cannot make them be faithful. We cannot make them attend services, but we can encourage them to be a faithful child of God. And this, is, uh, this should be a great encouragement to them. Even as a young couple, oftentimes raise families, you know, they bring a, a baby into the world, and uh, what do they do? They nourish this young baby, don't they? They feed it milk. They give it those things that will that will be for its good and will cause it to grow. Now, what would happen to that young baby if that parent, if that mother and dad said, well, you know, he's here in the world. We're going to let him provide for himself. If he can grow, that's good. If he can't, well, we're not going to worry about it. You know, that baby would soon wither away, wouldn't it? That, that's a tragic thing. And, uh, but the mothers that I have known, the parents that I have known, have most of them at least have provided those things necessary for those babies and for those gardens to get them to increase, to get them to grow. Now, we have people here in the nursery business and other business. Maybe run a, a business of some kind. I don't know what all these you people do, but uh, I'm sure if you run a business, you want it to grow. You do things to encourage growth and to prosper and to become great. Now, why do we do all this? And sometimes we forget about the church, don't we? We forget about the fact that here is a blood-bought institution Christ gave His only begotten Son. He died on that cross, and it's in our hands to cultivate. It's in our hands to do those things that would cause the church to grow. I want us to talk for just a moment about some things that will keep the church from growing, and I'm going to hurry here so we can not run over. And uh, but oftentimes, you know, we we hear people say, "Well, the church is just not growing like it should." And well, what am I doing as an individual? What am I doing about that thing? Well, you might say well i can't I can't stand in the pulpit. I can't preach the gospel. That might be true. You know everybody can't preach the gospel, or you might say, "Well, I can't teach a class publicly. That might be true, but we all have friends, do we not? We can teach our friends our neighbors, our loved ones, our families. Not everyone's going to obey the gospel. Not everyone is going to be faithful to the Lord. I have family members today that will not talk to me about the gospel. I have tried. Who are members of the church. They will not listen to me to be and as I try to encourage them to be faithful. You know what happens? Click. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. And I try to encourage these people to be faithful to the Lord. Go to church services. But as I said, click, the phone goes dead. <laughs> but I want us to thank for just a moment. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, as we think about why the church does not grow sometimes, it might be because of a lack of love for the truth. In the book of Revelation, chapter 1, or chapter 2, rather, and beginning with the first one, John says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, right, or rather the Lord here, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, right, these things, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now notice we're talking about the church at Ephesus. We've read about the church in in, uh, Ephesus. You go to the book of Ephesians or you can go to the book of Revelation and you can find there the seven seven churches of Asia. And, of course, uh, the church at Ephesus is mentioned here. Notice the Lord said, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. And how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles. Now, there were some, no doubt, who were pretending to be apostles, but they were not. They were false teachers who were going around and, of course, trying to get people to follow them. And so he says uh, that there were some which say they are apostles and are not, and found them liars or false. They were false teachers. You know, that's nothing new to us today. We find false teachers out there, even members of the body of Christ who teach things that they ought not be teaching. We don't have to drive very far from here to find uh, people or congregations even that are teaching things that are false, things that are not according to God's will. And uh, I know you can name some of these too. But uh, anyhow, We find these people in verse three, and has borne and has patience. And I'm reading from the regular regular King James version. (laughs) They have uh, has borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored, and has not fainted. They have not become weary in that which they were doing. They were faithful. This was a faithful church at one time, a very faithful church. They were known for their works and their labor and their patience. They had not, uh, had not been found as uh, false or pretenders. But they were, these people were, they had persevered, they had patience, and they had labored. Now, I want you to keep in mind here that these people at one time were a faithful people. But notice what he says in verse 4. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Now, Christ did not say here, John, that they were about to go back into the world, or they were not, they were not about to become unfaithful, but they had already become unfaithful. Now, I hope we get the picture here. They at one time were a faithful congregation or faithful church but yet they had become unfaithful he says uh, nevertheless I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love remember notice the warning here remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlesticks out of his place except thou repent. Now, what had become, what was the problem? What was the real problem here? These people could have become involved in all kinds of sin, uh, things that uh, were going on, probably too much talking, uh, just a great number of things that would cause them to go back into the world. Sometimes people like, are like that, aren't they? They become uh, envious, envious. Jealous there's a striving among people. These things ought not to be among members of the Lord's body, should they? And of course it will cause a lack of growth when we have that among us. In first Peter chapter two and verse seventeen, the apostle Peter said, Honor the honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. We're to love the brotherhood as Christians. There's to be no uh, factitious spirits or evil spirits among us, and that is uh, people stirring trouble in the church today. There should not be that. And then, in First or in First John three and verse one, he says, "Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God." You know, it's really hard for me to comprehend. When I think about the love that God had for you and for me, from the very beginning, you know, God had a plan for us. Didn't he? His love was supreme in that he gave his only begotten son, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We cannot, I don't think sometimes, or at least I can't grasp the love that God had by sending His Son and allowing Him to die on the cross for our sins. That's how much love that God has for us. Now, we, of course, must love in return. We need to have a great love for the body of Christ. A lack of love sometimes for one another will cause the church or will hinder the church Growth. Worldliness even will keep the church from growing. Galatians five, nineteen through twenty one, we find the apostle Paul <clears throat> excuse me, writing to the church at Ephesus or to Galatia. He says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, uh, variance or strife, emulation, wrath, uh, sedition, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such lack of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this could have been part of the problem at Ephesus. I mean, at at, uh, Ephesus as to why they had become unfaithful. But he says the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith or faithfulness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So we can see here the fruits of the Spirit compared to uh, the works of the flesh. He says if we commit all these things... Uh, that are worldly, we're going to lose our soul on the last day. But now, we, of course, can develop a love and respect for the truth. And when we can do that, when we do that, of course, the church is going to grow. We can go back to the book of Acts chapter 2, and we can see the church on Pentecost, how they obey the gospel, they became members of the body of Christ. And what happened as a result of that or right after that? They were very full of energy. They were working. They were involved in the things that the Lord would have them to do. They were always uh, assembling to themselves together. In Hebrews 10.25, we're told there that uh, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. They were faithful in attendance. They were faithful in Bible study, no doubt, and uh, they had a love for lost souls, according to Proverbs 11, verse 30. They had a love for their own soul, and you know, when I have a love for my own soul, I'm going to think about those about me, and I'm going to try to make an effort to teach those and encourage those to become members of the body of Christ. This morning, if you haven't obeyed the gospel, there, I mean, there are more things here that we could talk about, but I don't want to run us over. But you know the plan of salvation. I know you do. There might be some here this morning who have never obeyed the gospel. You need to obey it. This morning, as we were getting ready to come to worship service, Jean is on Facebook, and... She was telling me in shock that here is a young man who had been killed in an accident sometime this morning in another town. Their in-laws are friends of theirs, and it was such a shock. A young man being killed in a tragic accident. Now, folks, we don't have to be older, younger, or whatever to leave this earth Uh, We've heard, I open the paper every day or every week. I look in there and I see those names of people probably uh, who uh, were middle-aged or younger. Some were even older. They had left this earth. And I've often wondered, were they prepared to meet God? Are they prepared to stand before God in judgment and one day receive eternal life? You know, life is so uncertain. We don't have the promise of the next hour, do we? The thing that we need to do is to obey the gospel, live a faithful Christian life. I know we're going to make mistakes. I know we're going to falter and stumble and fall. And You know what, though? We don't have to stay down there. We can get up. God will forgive us of all this, and we can live a faithful Christian life. It might be that you were baptized many years back, and you just haven't lived like you need to live as a Christian. It might be your conduct. You're just not living your life before your fellow man. It might be at work. It might be at play. It might be just anywhere. We're not living as we need to live. So this morning, if you, haven't, uh, if you haven't really remained faithful, you need to respond and come back to the Lord and be baptized for the mission of sins while we stand and while we sing.